Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Welcome back to Our Soul. It is the first week of May, the early part of May, the I don't know, it feels like November because the climate is full of devastation, May. Uh, We are gathered here in this place once again to talk about Ohio politics around repro. Um, I have I have a lot of faith in a lot of things, but politicians and the politics of the state are not one of those many things, because yet again, yet again, Ohio politics are letting us down. Um, we have a situation in Ohio right now, right today as we speak. We are recording on the 3rd of May. You will be hearing this later, of course, but on the 3rd of May, um, as we speak, there are about 1,100 or more activists, uh, local grassroots folks, people from faith congregations and advocacy organizations, and just local people who are upset and angry at our state government, who are at the state house in Columbus right now, talking very clearly and plainly to our legislature, particularly the House representatives, saying, don't vote yes on H.J. Res. 1. And for those of you who are not familiar, H.J. Res. 1, as well as its companion, Senate Joint Resolution 2, are the vehicles in our state government that the legislature is using right now to try to call a special election in the month of August explicitly to get this raise the requirement to amend our constitution in the state of Ohio from a 50% statewide vote to a 60% statewide vote. They want to do this in the month of August, even though last year we just eliminated statewide, eliminated August special elections. These same legislators voted to get rid of August special elections because August special elections are historically low in terms of turnout, they're historically a waste of money, they're not representative of our democracy, and they leave, get this, the legislative and constitutional amendment processes open to manipulation from out-of-state special interests. That was the reason five months ago these people voted to get rid of August special elections. But now we've had this big transformation. Lots of people have changed their hearts. What is it that has transformed their understanding of the legitimacy of August special elections? Oh, glory, glory. Hallelujah. It's repro. It's abortion and the abortion ballot initiative. These people are specifically targeting the abortion ballot initiative because if they sneak in a special election in August and they sneak in a change from 50% to 60% as a threshold for passing any amendments to the Constitution, they will make it harder for the people of Ohio to have their voice heard, to have one person, one vote, one constitutional amendment to grant us those rights in the Constitution that we know we already deserve. What are those five rights? Those rights are a right to contraception, a right to fertility treatment, a right to continue one's own pregnancy, a right to miscarriage care, and a right to abortion. Those five elements to this ballot initiative are what are drawing all this ire and all this frustration to a head. And I know Kelly and I are not currently down at the state house because, quite frankly, 
Um, screaming at our legislators is not something that we necessarily um, engage in all the time, and it doesn't do a whole lot of good. Although we support people when they can, and we would love to be there with these folk, we are not, because we're doing lots of other things like helping to fund abortions and making sure that people have access to, uh, you know, fundamental care, fundamental access to childcare, lodging, all the other elements that we work with through the Jubilee Fund for Abortion Justice, and our regular work with individuals around reproductive health rights and justice in local congregations and with If, When, How with Kelly. So we're here talking about this situation, and we're going to give you an overview today of the main problem. So I, I want to pause here. Just like, <laughs> I understand this is a lot of word vomit from Terry, Yeah. but like, so, so Kelly, uh-huh. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel about the fact that your state legislature is like absolutely hell-bent on making it harder for people to have their voice heard about reproductive health risks and justice? I mean, the, it, this is a classic like thing for the state politicians to do. Like we always talk about like how the state doesn't care for us and we have to care for ourselves. And like, I feel like with the ballot initiative, that is us taking our power in our hands and like doing what we need to get done. And that's scary to the state. So like, am I surprised? No. Um, am I disappointed? Always. Um, <laughs> uh, but with all of that going on, uh, you know, it's just another sign of like the manipulation of the people who are in power and how how strongly people will hold on to power even despite the fact that it'll make them look like a hypocrite because like like you said literally last last time they got rid of uh the august special elections and suddenly when they want to when they want to make sure that like they can end repro rights or end any kind of uh, progress toward liberation. Then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, we need to have August special election. We need to put this in the air, even though they know and have argued that it's more expensive. It's low turnout, all of these things. That's, that's what they want um, to have it. So I think it's just another case of the state being the state and, um, like you said, uh, I, you know, uh, would like to be down at the state house. I like to be there in support of um, people lifting up their voice. But I also, you know, um, we talk sometimes about like what are places in the movement, and at least for me, uh, you know, that is not always my place. And as somebody, especially as a a black queer person, um, I choose to protect my own, uh, peace. And for that, because, uh, I know that the state rarely will listen to me. Um, that is why I choose to be here, but I am thankful that there are people who are there and who are, you know, speaking for, um, those who want to, you know, have their voice count, um, in this state. So, yeah, that's kind of like a little bit of my my thoughts on that. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> I know we have a lot of friends and colleagues who are up there at the state house uh, today. I had a lot of folk ask me like, "Are you coming up?" And you know, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are that again, I have to protect my peace. And as a queer Appalachian 
who lives about an hour and 20 minutes away from the state house. I'm not wasting the gas to go yell at those people every time I want to yell at them because I just like live there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I am what I am going to spend my time on and invest my time on is lifting up the fantastic voices that are there that are holding space and that are making their voices heard in this moment. I got to see these beautiful pictures all over my timeline on social media, all over all the social media platforms on Insta, Twitter, even Facebook. Yes, Facebook is not dead for everybody, (laughs) right? Um, These fabulous pictures of folk at Trinity Episcopal Church, Trinity on Capitol Square. That's right across from the State House. Um, By the way, Trinity just announced that they have officially called a new uh, rector for the, the congregation. Uh, Reverend Jed Deering, our dear friend who has been serving Trinity for quite a while now, um, in between their their previous rector and and uh, uh, this time as associate rector, he's going to be their new full time rector. And I'm really excited about Jed because Jed is the kind of person who creates space for other people's voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. He put together an amazing. Good Friday um, Stations of the Cross service where he invited lots of different voices from the community to offer prayers around different justice issues. Mm -hmm. We got to hear folk pray for transformation in social justice and advocacy. We got to hear people pray for hunger alleviation. We got to hear people and like the voices of people who are directly impacted. Mm Right. I mean, getting getting to hear Henry Green and and his family pray for an end to police violence. Right. Mm -hmm. Getting to hear voices of people who are hungry on a regular basis in the state pray for an end to hunger. Um, It's profound. All that to say, Jed invited people to utilize Trinity as the meeting place this morning. And this church was absolutely jam-packed with all kinds of people, not just people of faith, certainly not just Christians. There were lots of different people in that space who were holding space together to say, we come from different backgrounds, we come, many of us, from different political ideologies, many of us from different partisan ideologies, and we don't agree with the agenda that's being forced Mm -hmm. on us through H.J. Res 1 and uh, S well, SJ Res 2, right? Those two pieces of legislation offend us all. We've seen in recent days op-eds from four of our former governors, right? Um, Two Democrats, two Republicans that came out and said, this is a bad deal for the state of Ohio. We just saw this week a similar op-ed from former secretaries of state um, that came out and said, no, this is a bad idea. Um, Some folk who have served as attorney general have come out and said, again, bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. What is it about Ohio (laughs) that allows our gerrymandered system to consistently disappoint? Like it is, I, I saw a dear friend of mine, Karen Jones, had on social media this morning it feels like the rockiest of bottoms, mm-hmm. right? Like we are scraping the bottom of the barrel in this moment. How do they keep disappointing us in this state? I mean, like... It's like, it's like Ohio, I, I often say that Ohio is the bad place, but like I, it, it gives me... It gives me as an Ohio and like a bad rep to like tell other people that I'm from Ohio because it is just like the 
it is so bad here. And that I know <laughs> they're not all bad. Not Ohio, all Ohio is the Ohio is the bad place, and like I, I don't know, John Husted is our animatronic Janet. I don't know, that, that might be true. Uh, yes, but. Yes. Uh, that's a it's a good place reference for for those of you who have not seen the good place it's a very good show would recommend um but uh it's it's just it's hard to to live here and it's hard also to see you know i've i've lived in ohio my whole life i grew up in northwest ohio and slowly moved to central ohio um and uh i have had you know friends who have also grown up in ohio and as the politics have gotten worse, um, I mean, a lot of them have moved. A lot of my friends, you know, people who, like, would love to, you know, stay and be closer to those that they've built these strong relationships with are moving out of state because, like, the politics are bad. It doesn't feel safe to be here. And so why would you want to stay? And, um, you know, uh, as a I, I identify as a former Methodist. Um, and so as a former Methodist and this um, this uh, thought around like staying in something that's hard, I, I have a lot of um, respect for people who, um, especially like people who are, um, well, not it, just, the, just the people who are LGBTQ affirming in the Methodist church who are choosing to stay right now. Um, I have a lot of respect and um appreciate them because they have again talking about like knowing your place and being able to protect your peace like my place um was not there and my protecting my peace was not staying in an environment that actively uh you know uh tried to limit how I could be in the church you know and and so for me i chose to leave but you know for with with but with the state of ohio it's it's kind of similar but also kind of different because um i mean it in some ways um there are people who don't really have a choice like there's not other church communities in their area that they can find a spiritual connection with but like you know these days we have the internet and you can potentially you know be connected with churches like in different states and different cities whatever uh but with ohio i mean like it is not feasible for everyone who doesn't want to be here to leave like it's it's not fi financially feasible for many people to leave the state of ohio just because it's unsafe and it sucks um and so, you know, me as an Ohioan, as one of the good ones, I hope, um, I, I, uh, you know, choose to stay here and be a part of the, the politics, regardless of how bad they are, because there are people who can't leave. Um, and I, I just hate that, like, those who are in power, those who have held power, you know, been passing down, um, uh, you know, some uh, stuff, passing down their positions from year to year. Uh, I just think about like, there, there are like families who are just all, all politicians in the Ohio State House. Um, and like, it's so disheartening to me that there is like these group of people who get to have the power and then there's everyone who has to suffer along or suffer in it. Um, and 
you know, I want to say something helpful, but I don't have anything. <laughs> uh, I think like, you know, the fact that we have this ballot initiative and that we're working towards that um, is is like a step towards taking back our own control and taking back our own power. And I think about like, you know, um, whenever whenever you're trying to make a change to be better, oftentimes the negative things that you didn't realize were holding you back, like come up. I think about like when you're um, making like a dietary change, um, you know, maybe like cutting out caffeine (laughs) you you realize that you are addicted to caffeine and you start getting headaches and you have to like go through that to be able to get to the other side of like not being as dependent on uh caffeine uh it's kind of a similar thing to me you know we're working to get our own independence to get freed from um the oppression of the state having control over our reproductive health care and so the state is therefore lashing out at us and saying like we're going to do everything we can to make sure you can't do that because we want to keep our control. And this is this is why I hate to make every episode about RTJ, but also I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> but this is... <laughs> I don't hate it. I love it. This is why, I'm like, I, you know, I care so deeply about, like, mental health care and um, thinking about the root cause of different problems because, like, you know... What what is it about the people who who hold the positions of power? What what are they where what what has happened to them mm-hmm. that they feel the need to oppress all Ohioans? You know? Like who here's, hurt them? Here's the upshot, <laughs> right? Here's the upshot of what we're experiencing. The people who are trying to pass this this constitutional amendment at the last minute in August mm-hmm. to raise the requirement. So so to be clear, they they want they want a fifty five or a fifty eight or a fifty nine and a half percent vote of Ohioans to not be sufficient to change the state constitution. What they are saying, the quiet part out loud, is that they know that their views are in the minority and they want to hold power anyway right and and to your question the question is why are you so insecure mm-hmm. what what has happened to you mm-hmm. that has caused you not only to believe that your ideas are so bad that you couldn't persuade a majority to, to own them and if you know that your ideas are so bad you can't garner a majority why aren't you changing your ideas yeah glory i mean like (laughs) like if if the if if you have to make those kinds of changes like you know something is wrong you are you by even attempting to do this they're saying like we know we're unpopular we know that this is a threat and so therefore we have to protect ourselves if if it wasn't a threat if it wasn't something that um they knew that a lot like a majority of ohioans agreed with then they wouldn't be so scared but they're scared. And that's what's at the at the heart of like things like this is and I and I think often like at the heart of many um oppressions is um fear. And I I just think I genuinely like think a lot about if we like normalized caring for our mental health, if we normalized um, being self-aware, if we normalized, you know, uh, taking mental inventory of the kind of feelings that we're having around something before we do, you know, an action that could help or that could hurt millions of people, 
Um, <laughs> maybe the world would be a better place. Like, I, I think a lot about, like, how much better the world would be if, um, you know, there was better mental health care. And and uh, there's this really great documentary that I would recommend to a lot of or to, to anybody who's interested. Um, one of my, like, big passions is around um, masculinity, like toxic masculinity in men. Um, and how um, uh, that comes out as like violence and harm. And I specifically did this project um, my my senior year around like gun violence and why is it that like men are many most of the time like it is very rare for uh, a non man to commit an act of um, violence um, a lot like you know talking about gun violence specifically. Uh, so there's this documentary, it's called The Mask You Live In. Um, it's available on Prime Video and probably other places as well. But it's talking about, like, how when these men, in a variety of stages in their life, some of them are, are, like, in high school, some of them um, have been um, incarcerated, and so they're in, in a program in, um, in the prison. Uh, and other people are just, like, being interviewed in their everyday life, like they take the time to uh, process what masculinity means to them, what masculinity has taught them. And you can see very clearly, like, these things that we, you know, the the boys will be boys and the, uh, you know, boys mm. having to have authority and, like, those kind of... While they seem like good things for um, men to have and good, maybe, like, traits of <laughs> masculinity, not for me. I don't think that that is... that they're good. Um, but I'm saying that, like... Maybe whoever is abiding by toxic masculinity thinks that those are good things. They're, um, they're culturally rewarded. Yes, yes. Culturally um, normative. While like things like men having power and men having these certain expectations may be culturally culturally um, rewarded, internally, what it teaches these people is that they have to close mm. a side of themselves, that they have to put themselves in a certain box. And if they don't fit in that box then they will get rejected. And so, you know, when I think about, <laughs> this is like a whole tangent, but whatever. When I think about like this kind of attack on um, a a ballot initiative that would, I mean, greatly benefit non-men, then um, I, I think about like how that might attack um, their uh, concepts around masculinity. And I just want to mm. say to, you know, any any uh ohio politician that is is a part of this like who hurt you and like how about you process that and That's right. let let me and people like me have a say in how our everyday life goes because like i don't want to control them and so right. i just right. don't want them to control me but maybe maybe the the real reason is that they feel controlled by this cultural expectation and so they're taking it out on ohio and you don't have to keep lying and denying right just say like it lying about your 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 real motivation and denying the pain that we all feel you know i i'm reminded of uh, a quote from walter brookman walter brookman is a um kind of a, a saintly figure in the united church of christ my denomination and he has he has this quote about church let me let me make sure i don't screw it up here um but i obviously he he says these are 
uh, the three prophetic tasks of the church. And I really think that it should be the three prophetic tasks of anybody who gives a damn, right? <laughs> um, the three prophetic tasks, he says, of the church are to tell the truth in a society that lives in illusion, mm. to grieve in a society that practices denial, mm. and to express hope within a society that dwells in despair. Again, I think it applies to every group of people who really want to invest themselves in the transformation of their society. Like, to express in a society that is bound by illusion and the practice of denial and is living in despair, to be able to tell the truth, to grieve, and to express hope, right? Mm -hmm. And when you talk about, oh, you know, I feel like every, I make every episode about RTJ, <laughs> guess what? RTJ, for, for those who are yet uninitiated, right, RTJ is restorative and transformative justice. Restorative and transformative justice is the practice by which we get free. It is the practice by which we acknowledge the grief that is within us. And we say, no, we're not going to deny it anymore. We're going to admit that we are grieving. We're mm -hmm. going to admit that we have been wounded. We're going to admit that we have been harmed. Mm -hmm. And we're going to tell the truth mm -hmm. about all these things that the, that the society we live in wants us to keep in illusion. We're going to tell the truth about lawmakers who are literally just changing the rules so they can get their own way. They're changing the rules so they can manipulate the majority at the whims of the minority. We're going to tell the truth. And we're going to express hope because we're not just like, you know, bailing and pulling up stakes and running away from Ohio. Mm -hmm. Like you talked earlier about, you know, why, why you have decided to stay in Ohio. I'm in Ohio because I am terminally in love with the people in this state mm -hmm. and in this community. I am in Appalachia because I love my people. Mm -hmm. I love our culture in this place that thrives despite the best efforts of people in Columbus and despite gerrymandering and despite systemic disinvestment and despite decades, centuries even, of extractive anti-worker labor policies. like. All of these things have still not killed the joy mm -hmm. that is the local community in my community and in communities all over the state. That, for me, is worth fighting for because it is the truth that we have suffered through a great deal. It is reality that we are grieving mm -hmm. and we still have hope. Mm -hmm. And that is the power in this moment that's coming to bear at the state house. Not just on, you know, HJ Res 1 and HJ or SJ Res 2, but like in general, the movement around this ballot initiative has been, hey, we we suffered through this horrible season of waiting for the Supreme Court to do their worst. Mm -hmm. Right? And let us remember it is a Supreme Court majority that is made up of one appointee who was put on the court because the powers that be kept that position open for more than a year mm -hmm. after the death of Antonin Scalia. And also another person on that court who was rammed into their position less than 40 days after the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Rules for me and not for thee. That court that is another recapitulation of the minority trying to govern the majority gave us this horrible decision in June and that has spurred to action a lot of people who, frankly, quite honestly, didn't know there was a problem 
until their particular rights were at risk. Mm-hmm. That's a whole nother podcast, folks. That's a whole nother conversation. We're at a place now, though, where there's great clarity among Ohioans of many stripes, of many political backgrounds, of many ideological persuasions, that we are at a place now where we know what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's not fighting for a return to Roe. It is not fighting for um, a compromise on these targeted restrictions of abortion providers. It's asking for real justice real quick. Mm-hmm. It's asking for restorative and transformative solutions to problems that, frankly, these people in Columbus have been benefiting off of for far too long. They've maintained these problems and maintained these harmful systems within our communities. And they have benefited electorally. They have benefited financially. They have benefited emotionally and even spiritually. And yes, some of them religiously. Some of their religious organizations have benefited from creating these problems and keeping these problems alive. It's now time for us to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. And to not pretend that they are unsolvable. Yeah. And once we have once we have swept over the face of repro in Ohio, we got a lot more problems that are solvable. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the gun violence problem, we got solutions for that. Yeah. Folk don't want to hear it at the state house, but you know, like we got some great solutions for guns killing people, yeah. and it doesn't involve teaching children to administer first aid or having stronger doors on schools, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the current proposal uh, going through the state house. We've got a lot of great ideas for how we can change the trajectory of infant mortality and maternal mortality for people who are below the poverty line in Ohio. I've got great ideas (laughs) for how you can make sure people get basic needs met, right? It's going to take some money. But we've got those solutions, right? So, like, this is the start, I believe, of an entire process by which our state is going to say, we have solutions to these problems. Mm -hmm. You no longer need to pretend. You no longer need to lie about, you know, what the problem is. We know what the problem is. The problem is you're not getting it done. And the biggest problem we face in this state has nothing to do with whether it's 50% or 60% or 110% of the electorate coming out to vote for a particular ballot initiative. The biggest problems that we face today are the ones being ignored by the state house. That's our deep hope that those ignored problems become the centered problems in the future. And and we're, we're almost out of time. I want to, I want to I want to give it over to you, Kelly, yeah. to to wrap us up and give us some last thoughts. Yeah, there. yeah, um, yeah. I think like uh, what you were saying there about like needing to tell the truth um, and needing to have the the truth be out there. Uh, the people don't have to lie anymore um, about what their intentions are. Like we just need to be to be honest and be clear and give people the power that they deserve. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's that's it for this episode. Um, you may notice, uh, our listeners, that our next few episodes are going to be a little bit different. Uh, Terry and I may not be in the same place at the same time for like the next month because it's May and then June because it's crazy. But um, uh, I hope that you'll enjoy our next few episodes and, um, you know, stick around. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.